Come on, people. Hello. How are you? It's me. It's Jake. Allow me to be the first to welcome you to this episode of the Jake This of Jake Johansson podcast. I am excited to be back after a bit of a hiatus. Let's just face it. It hasn't been a month, but it's been the better part of a month. That's for sure. Since the last time I talked into the thing for you and... I am ready to apologize for that. I, I want to be dedicated to talking to you more often on a regular basis as I had been in the past. But you know what? It's not easy to, you know, you've got to keep track of your schedule. Your priorities have to be straight. And then, of course, it should be, you should have something to say. And that's, that's the tricky thing is sometimes, sometimes I feel like I have something to say, but then I wonder if you care if I have something to say. And then the answer is, of course you do, because you're listening. Anyway, my reason for this podcast, not that I, the reason for all the podcasts is I do feel like I'd like to talk to you. I'd like to stay connected, connected to you, the people who want to be connected to me. And so I vow now to be, well, look, I've said it before, and words, talk is cheap, right? Actions, that's what you're looking for. That's what I'm looking for, to be honest. I don't need someone to tell me what they're going to do. I need someone to do it, and then I'll tell them what they did afterwards, if that's the way we're going to be about it. Anyway, I had a friend stop by today. His name is Joe DeRosa. I've known him since he was, it turns out, a baby comic. I didn't realize that when we met, he'd only been doing comedy uh, three years because he was very funny then and he's very funny now so joe stopped by for a little hangout and we've just gone we've gone to the uh phone place to get him a new phone i think i mentioned some phone talk during the this pod talk conversation anyway i'm back joe de rosa is here i'm excited that you're here i'm preparing some notes to get together to talk to you just you and me, mano e mano e ladio, depending on if you're a mano or a ladio listening to this. And regardless of which or either or in between or both you might be, because let's face it, it's a big, exciting world with a lot of possibilities nowadays. No matter what you are or who you are or who you think you are or who you wish you were, I'd love it if you came out to see me at a live show this week, August 27th through 29th. I'm in Dayton, Ohio at Wiley's. I haven't been there and I think forever, um, but I may have been there before. And then I've got a couple military base shows, September 17th and 18th. September 24 and 25, I'm in Seattle at Laughs Comedy Spot, Kirkland, Washington. So I said Seattle, but really it's Kirkland, September 24, 25. October 8th through 10, I'm back in Albany, New York at the Funny Bone. And October 17th, I'm doing a benefit for breast cancer prevention at uh, the... California Shakespeare Theater um, in Orinda, California. November 5, 6, and 7th, I'm at Zany's in the Chicago area on Well Street. And then the 7th, I'm out in Rosemont. Anyway, I'm coming to Milwaukee to the Pabst Theater. That is not even officially on their website yet. I'm telling you about That's a scoop, ladies and gentlemen. November 28th, I'm at the Hollywood Improv. I'm coming back to Portland December 2, two, two to 5. 2, 3, 4, 5, December 10, 11, 12. I'm in Indianapolis, Indiana. That's a lot of things. You can go to jakethis.com. You can find out about all that. You can show up at one of those shows regardless of your sexual orientation or what kind of genitals you have. Everyone is welcome. And, uh, oh, my God. 
How am I going to get out of this hole? I need my friend Joe to stop by, which he did. Ladies and gentlemen, it's Joe DeRosa. for you cook new the new well <laughs> like a hot plate or something i don't have a hot plate out here i got uh, sometimes the grocery situation where things get put away in the house is a little bit complicated and so right. and some of this stuff is only stuff that i will i am eating or my daughter and i will eat and my wife is not into so it gets kind of put to the back so i have this is the resupply for the pasta and the pasta sauce and the i see black beans okay yeah, it's a confusing. You get married and see what happens. You start doing a lot of crazy shit that people come over and go, "Why are you doing that?" And you go, "Oh yeah, I forgot that's weird." <laughs> Fair enough. Fair enough. I hope to get married one day. Well, it, it's not as easy as you think it's going to be. I'll tell you that. I can. I would agree. That's probably why I haven't done it yet. But I, I've known you. So I was thinking about this, Joe. How long have I known you? 11 years. Do you think it's just... is So we met right before that trip to New York that my wife took? Maybe it was a year more than that. but So it's 12 at the most, but 11 probably. At the most 12, uh, it's probably... A, well, no. Uh, I was... I was roughly... I'm approaching 14 years in comedy. Mm-hmm. And I was almost at two years the first time I went to Montreal. Mm-hmm. And that's where I met you. In Montreal. No, I thought we met on the road someplace. We met in Montreal oh, first, okay. first, and then about two weeks later, I featured for you coincidentally, and that's where we solidified it. And then we had a little run where we were we were doing gigs together, like we had two or three. <laughs> yeah, you, together. me, and Al Jackson in Florida. Yeah, yeah, in Florida, in sunny Florida. So, yeah, it's probably almost twelve years. What is wrong with Florida? Do you think when you when you have to? Kind of, I had this conversation with Forrest Shaw, who's yeah. friend friend of Al Jackson. Right? Yeah, yeah. Um, and uh, you know, I I love going to Florida, but there is just something that's different from other places about it. I um, I don't mind saying this openly. I don't care for the state, uh, and I feel like I can say that because I had family there and I spent a lot of time there. It's not my scene. I don't mm-hmm. like it. Uh, Describe it a little bit for people who haven't been. Hot Jersey. <laughs> That's how I describe it. It's Jersey, except it's way too hot. So, And I grew up basically in Jersey. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, I don't need this. I don't need another place like this, but it's real hot on top of it. You know, and like I've been to Miami several times, and I, I've had fun there, but it's not it's not a scene for a guy like me. It's a scene for a guy that wears $1,000 shirts to the nightclub and buys bottles of the most expensive champagne and all mm-hmm. that stuff and, and likes candles floating in a pool, you know, and, and that sort of a lot thing. Of, a, a lot of the world is kind of, or, or we're being kind of pushed into this, let's all do what rich guys do. Rich, right. Sort of douchebaggy guys, Yeah, I would have to say. I mean, I'm not, even if I was rich, I don't think I would get... A ridiculous, a Maserati and a five hundred dollars shirt, and then go and blow 
couple thousand dollars on a table that has a velvet rope around it. Yeah, no, that's stupid. I mean, well, you know, we're sitting here in your in your podcast studio, which is just one sliver of your beautiful home and property. And I mean, I, I look around your property. I say, here's a guy that did something smart with his money. You know what I mean? Like you, you built you build an abode for yourself versus. You know, like you said, going out and getting fucking bottle service at a... The way that you put that was exactly correct. (laughs) I did something smart with my money. It wasn't like I had this giant, massive success. I had a nice amount of success sustained over a period of time, (laughs) and I saved my money. Because if I had done the bottle service trick, I I would be... It wouldn't be... I, I didn't have... I couldn't have done both. No. So, well, no, I don't think most people can do both. You well, know? Uh, what's he calling himself now? Diddy? P. Diddy? Puff, Puffy? Uh, I think it's Diddy. Well, it was He's Diddy doing Dirty both. Money at one point. Diddy Dirty Money? Yeah. I think that's what the latest one was. But then he, he stopped like putting music out. At least for te- uh, at least for now, so I think like it doesn't really matter. I think he's kind of just Sean Combs running his different businesses, right? Uh, but yeah, that guy like that obviously can do both. He can do both, right? But, but you know, it's it's hard to aim for that. I mean, I guess we all sort of think that something like that could happen for us when we start off in show business. Yeah, you think it's possible. Yeah, and then it slaps you real hard in the face. <laughs> Well, that's, you know? that was one thing that I wanted to kind of tell. So we've known each other 11 years, and you just celebrated your, what, what birthday are you now? 38. 38. So that's 20, I think I have this right, 27. It was 11 years ago. Yeah. Yeah. So that's that's pretty, that was a hot time in my career. Okay. And, uh, obviously, it was a hot time in your career because you'd just done Montreal. You started working on the road. And now, how long have you lived in L.A.? It was, a, it was a ramp up at that time. Yeah. But things changed very quickly. Uh, do you want to talk about that or do you want to talk about the L.A. I would like to talk thing? about that. I would okay. I'd like to talk about what it's like to come to L.A. to be a young comic, to have your blast-off success and what's been going on with you. I don't. I, if, if you feel like it's a depressing story. Oh, no, a, no, no, no. But it's I think a, it's a thing that... I, I think it's a thing that a lot of people don't understand. And I've made friends with younger guys like you who are at that point who I'm lucky enough to meet while they're transitioning through that feature sure. clubs. And, and it's, like, always fun for me and, and tricky because it's, like, you need to make friends with a young lion because it's going to... Darwin you out of business um, so it's I, I, I see a lot of guys like you that are coming up and blowing up and then you move beyond that so talk a little bit about what that felt like uh, well I never I never had the blow up uh, moment at least not yet uh, you know I hope that it would come at, at some point but what, what happened for me was I hit the ground running really hard in New York Um I I went there very prepared, and I had been doing comedy a very short period of time, but given the job I had at the time, uh, which was delivering pizzas and hoagies and stuff, um, and I had my weekends off, and uh, I was making decent money as a delivery man, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, I was able to really put my, my shoulder into doing comedy when I started. So I had money, enough money. Uh, to live. Um, my expenses weren't that high. 
um, and I had a lot of time. We we didn't work on weekends at this place, and and we we were out the door every day by two p.m. And I was alone in my car all day, so I was really able to like prep for for a solid year and a half, whatever it was, in comedy. To work and, on your act both both during your non-on-stage time and then to be free to have as much stage time. As exactly. As yeah, yeah. So that was a huge uh, advantage. And when I went – I misspoke earlier. I did Montreal going into my third year. So um, I, my, just under two years, I moved to New York. And I really was able, like I said, to hit the ground running. Like I was very prepared for it. And I started doing well for myself, and I started getting passed at the clubs. And then I, Jordan Rubin was writing on Carson Daly at the time, and he gave me my first TV set I ever had. Um, and what was that on? It was on Carson Daly on NBC. Right. Okay. Um, and and then I got Montreal, and then I got right after Montreal, I got Premium Blend, which was my second TV credit on, and which was a big show at the time on Comedy Central. And I started getting a lot more work on the road. Granted, as a feature, but I was sort of introduced to comedy. And then that's really fast to be going out on the road. I mean, it doesn't feel fast when you're right. when you're ready, like you were ready. That was super fast. And then it all changed. <laughs> because it didn't, it didn't, it didn't, the bottom didn't fall out or anything. It's been incrementally better every year. But I certainly think that at one point I might have been on a track to be further along faster than things happened for me. But because of the type of comedy I wanted to do and the approach I had to doing comedy, you know, it, it took, it took longer. It well, just took longer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's fine. I'm not. I don't regret any of it. But, uh, but like, I certainly don't think I was ever a guy that was like, this kid. You gotta. He's the guy everybody wants right now. You know what I mean? Like, well, you were definitely one of those guys who people would mention in a, in a list of four or five guys. You were one of those guys to me. Oh, that's and, cool. And, I mean, when I that was after I met you, and people you go like, what young guys you like and. We'd be talking, and they would always mention you. If I hadn't mentioned you first, they would mention you. Well, that's 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 nice to hear. And 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 a lot of guys like you made that possible for me as a young comic. You brought me around with you. Uh, Pat Oswalt brought me around with him a mm-hmm. lot. Bill Burr brought me around a lot. Uh, yeah, well, you were on with Bill for a while. He was he yeah. was your uh, you were like second banana. F- I mean, you know how he, yeah. he would get a guy who was yeah. I, I worked with Bill a ton, uh, and and still once in a while we'll do a show. He called me the other day and said, "Let's do this. Come do this show. We'll have like a little reunion." And mm-hmm. I said, "Yeah, of course, man. It'll be a blast." So Jeff Garland was another guy that mm-hmm. that helped me out quite a bit. Uh, uh, Dave Chappelle, that was really fucking lucky. <laughs> hey, well, where did Dave see you? Dave saw me. I got Dave did a show in Philly for his block party tour at the Tower Theater, and Molly Schmink from mm-hmm. the Punchline uh, and and Live Nation. Uh, she was curating comics for him for the tour, and he said, "I need a guy from Philly." He goes, "I want to use local guys in every city," and she said, "I have a guy from Philly." And she yeah. called me and said, "Are you in Philly by any chance?" I said, "I actually I am because I was featuring at like Helium or something." And she said, can you go open for Dave Chappelle on Sunday night? And I said, uh, yeah. Awesome. And he saw me, and he, and he thought I was really funny. And, uh, and then brought me on a tour two years later for, like, like a two-week run, like right after he came back from that Africa stint. Oh, nice. So that was pretty insane. 
But, I, you know, I was really lucky. Like, a lot of guys that were very respected and that I had great admiration for used me and, and, and hooked me up and told people I was funny, and it was great. So I, again, like, I think I was probably a little more positioned to move progressively more quickly than I did. But, but, but again, it, it, like, I, I'm happy that I committed to... My goal was never when I got on stage, I have to go kill right now. I mean, that's really what the simple the simple answer is. Like, my goal was always, I want to figure out this material. Like, I want to talk about this really badly. Yeah, well, I just want to tell anybody who just heard you say that, that <laughs> they should definitely go see your show. Because that may not, you, what you just said is is one thing but when i watch your show you're you're super funny and well thank you and you're strong you know you come thank you. you come hard thank you and so that is that's that's what i wanted to ask you about when you said type of comedy the type of comedy that you want to do how right. would you describe you know that the specifics i always hate that question by the way so you can totally dodge no 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 man i feel i feel like i like talking about this stuff and i feel like i've just now hit enough I'm still, you know, in in rookie stages compared to a lot of guys in the business that have 20, 25, 30 years in. But I think 14 years is finally around the time where I can comfortably start to talk about what I think my comedy is or whatever, at least. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? And not sound like a fucking moron. But, like, like I, I swear to you, Jake, like, my... It was never... The thing that attracted me to comedy was never comedy. It wasn't about being funny. It was an obsession with this idea that you could get on stage and tell people what you thought about them and people that weren't inside the room. And a lot of the time you could say, you're all dumb (laughs) in some sort of crafty way. You're criticizing the people that are sitting there essentially. And they're rooting and listening and laughing. Now, I don't mean I want to get on stage and tell an audience they're dumb. But I just mean if you get on stage and you say, you know, I have a bit right now about Tinder and, and I really trash Tinder. And I'm like, I I hate it. And, but whatever. Are you a participant in Tinder? No. no. I, have a, I have a bit about Tinder, too. I think everybody has a little comment on it. But, I, I mean, it. just for me, it's basically just describing what it is to people who are like me don't you know they're married or they don't know what it is and it's it's sort of like holy shit this is the i read an article on i think i can't remember it was online but it's in some publication about tinder and how it's just destroying these young people because what gets me is you know and that's what gets me when i watch girls it's like why do these girls put up with this shit i get why guys want an app where they get to go i would fuck her i wouldn't fuck her i'd fuck her i wouldn't fuck her but why are girls participating in it well it's funny because my my gripe with it is i say i hate tinder because nobody uses it the way they're supposed to use it because it has become the official dating app People are the most used dating app. But when you say dating, you mean hooking up. No, no. People don't use it for that anymore. People use it as an actual dating app. And that's my gripe. <laughs> I love you, Joe, because your problem with Tinder is it doesn't do what I just said it does. Yeah, yeah. Be, use it honestly. My Most of the stuff in my act is about, like, man up, commit to something. You know what uh-huh. I mean? You so. want a wife, but you're pissed at Tinder because it won't allow you to just randomly have sex with people and here's 
the thing. I don't want to use it to randomly have sex with people. I'm angry at the people who aren't using it for that, even though I don't want to use it for that. It's a sick place in here, in my head. <laughs> you need to get a life coach, Joe. I mean, I don't think a therapist is going to be enough because it would take a long time to unravel what's going on. You need someone to get in there and just say, this is what you're doing. This is what you should be doing. <laughs> just do this. Just shut up and just do this. Yeah, and don't. Some money. We don't have time to arg- to unravel the knot that you've tied yourself in to get you where you are. We're just going to start cutting it apart and get you a new piece of rope. <laughs> so, you're right. My point my point about bringing that bit up was I say in the bit that the, the, the purpose of this app was supposed to be I don't know you, you don't know me. But according to this map, we're in the same vicinity. Let's have sex in this bathroom like two degenerates. That's the that's what it's supposed to be. That's what I thought. I thought it was like that's how it started. Now people are using it as an actual dating app, and I say, you know, how entitled and lazy are you to sit on your couch and go, I, you know, I can't believe I haven't met the one yet. Swipe, 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 and then at the end of the bit, I say, die alone, you fucking animal. <laughs> I believe if you're that egotistical when it comes mm-hmm. to your dating life you should die alone uh now here's my point in essence darwinism is broken it's broken <laughs> and there are people in the audience when i'm saying this bit clearly that use tinder yeah that's that's so, what i'm surprised about too because i bring it up and i'm making it fun of it for being the shallow sex thing but then there's always some sheepish couple who are like that's how we met that's how yeah. people meet these days people are so late tinder is the it is the youtube of dating. I don't want to put any effort in. I don't want to sit here for any longer than five minutes. Get me off in five minutes. But but not get me off in the porn sense, which is what it was built for. Get me off in the emotional sense, mm-hmm. and whatever. So I just always like the idea with comedy that you could get on a stage and say something like, die alone, you fucking animal. Yeah. And somebody in the audience who actually you could be referring to, is laughing and maybe clapping at that. And that's that's the secret of the uh, political comedy, too. It's like, it's not comedy if you're only preaching to the converted. Right. If you can make someone laugh at their own hypocrisy or their own ridiculousness, then that's, I, I agree with you, that is, that's something. That's something to be proud of. It's an exciting feeling in comedy to be able to get on a stage, yeah, and, and when you get an idea... And you go, this, th- th- to me, the most exciting part, the, mom- the ex- most exciting moments in comedy are in the writing process. When you say to yourself, I just had an idea. I've never heard this idea before. And it's my honest idea. I think, I think I, my take on this might be definitely something nobody said. And or at least in a blog or something like that or or on stage and now I get to get on stage and and then if people yeah. respond to it well wow that's really a nice feeling you know well I've been hanging out I've been in town a little more than I'm usually in town which is not exactly <laughs> part of my game plan but it's happened sure and uh, so I've been trying to do some more some more sets at at you know just not headline sets like I yeah. do on the road but little short sets and shows with you know my fellow Com- comrades sure yeah and it's been really fun because you kind of get a new idea you go out you do your little short set where you kind of sprinkle in a couple things that you know are going to work to get them ready and then you let them have it with the new thing and it just really feels good it's great and i'll tell you this too uh if you ha- 
you may I don't know you may or may not have experienced this yet. What I really like about the short sets is as you continue to do that and the new bit becomes that bit works. It becomes the working bit. Yeah. And then another one becomes the working bit. You start to be able to put together 10, 12-minute sets of all your new stuff and then start to form that into a chunk that you slide right into your act, which I really like a lot. Well, that's ideal. I mean, that's the way that, that Bill and Louie have been doing it for a, for a while, Bill right. Burr and Louis C.K. But uh, I had always, because I was working enough on the road, I had always just built it in, you know, kind of slotted it in and built it up and worked it in the context of that bigger, longer set. And you're right. It's fun to do it in that shorter way because you really feel like you're high-wiring it kind of because most of what you're doing in that little short time while you're on stage is is yeah. working on your new thing. Yeah. Yeah. I, I enjoy it quite a bit. I like being out there with the peers uh, and and people that the, and the elders, for lack of a better term, you know, and so you get to go at, do a set after a guy you've been watching your whole life, uh, or a guy that made you want to do comedy, you know, or or you're just out there with your buddies, you know, or the new young guy that's like mm-hmm. really on fire or whatever. It's it's a great it's it's sparring, you know. It's, it's fun, a great yeah. way to stay on your toes. Well, maybe when we're done with this and eating lunch, I'll get a list of some shows around that I could go because I don't know too oh, many I, of them. I, I so know, that that would be so fun. I know producers uh, that would love to. That, that are doing really cool little small shows that would love to have you come through. And I, the Backyard Show, I'm particularly curious about the Backyard Show. Brouhaha? I don't I know what it is. That. I don't know what it is. Did you bring that up because you knew I just did that? Or no, you just bring that up? No, I was. I, I did a little set at the West Side Comedy Club, and um, Ryan Connor was on the show, and he was telling me some story about a Backyard Comedy Show where it was, it was kind of in East L.A., and there was... The home, the homeowner. He described it, and the friends of the homeowner. Yeah, and then this, the, the a ring around the outside of this, you know, Hispanic biker gang that <laughs> found out about it and showed up and that came show, to watch the show. I, I think it's Bruja he's talking about. It's insanity, and it's one of the most fun shows I've ever done. And it's in this; these people live in this house. It's in their backyard. They give free booze to people. Uh huh. There's a stage. Uh, you do a comedy show, but and the crowd is rabid. They are so excited to be there, and they're so into it. And it's a drinking game for the audience during the show. So the comics have to go in the house, and they tell everybody the rules of the drinking game. So during your set, you'll say something and watch everybody start like, but you don't know why they did it. And there's like a secret word, and if you say the secret word, they start yelling at you. It's really fun, man. It's really, yeah, well, I'm really in. fun. I want to do that show. Yeah, you'll, you'll love it, man. Um, so, L.A. Then yeah. you move out to then you move out to L.A. I, I also wanted to ask about to what what it was like to be with uh, Dave Chappelle right after he came back from Africa. Did you guys hang and we hung out the whole time? It was insane. It was uh, he was he was as gracious to me as anybody ever could have been and i'm not just saying that because he's wildly famous and whatever like dave to this day i see dave once a year maybe maybe and to this day when i every time i see him he's like i just did montreal and he was sitting in the front row at the roast battle and he as soon as i walked on stage he pointed at me and was like nodding and smiling and i was like hey man and i walked over and he got up and we shook hands and i was like oh that's nice this like guy is like 
you know, every time I see him, it's like that. Like, he never forgot me. He's always like, where you been, man? What's going on? And But we, we hung out on that, that tour, and, you know, he was always just like, let's go to the mall, man. And I was like, all right. But, like, the funny thing was he meant just, like, you and me, let's, like, let's walk to the mall. And, you know, people are, like, literally screeching to to a halt in the streets to jump out of their cars to run up to him. He was Oh, really? He was so fucking famous. It was insane. Oh, well, well, and then that was right at the time where people can't believe that they're seeing him and he's back. And he did that thing, yeah. crazy thing of walking away from the money and... Yeah, it was, and and his whole act was about that at the time, which was really interesting to watch. It was very like Prior esque because mm-hmm. he talked about why he walked away from the money and what the business is like, and it was really fucking cool, man. It was really cool, and we would hang out after the shows and go to like indoor skateboard parks, and you know, yeah, I've, I I don't really know Dave. I, I may have met him to shake hands, and he's done shows after me. You know, he loves the punchline in San Francisco. So I'll be right. working a week, and then they'll, he'll be booked for a show. I'll do two shows on Friday, and then he'll do a third right. late show. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, he's powerful. And so right. I've, stayed to, I've stayed to watch. I mean, I, I, you can't. Sometimes they're so long, you can't get through the whole, you know, I got to go to bed. Cause I well, that's do the other thing shows, I like but. about Dave is he also, like, he's got all the clout in the world. and then But then he comes in on your weekend, and he's like... I'm gonna do the. I'm gonna add a show after Jake's shows. He doesn't come in and fuck up your shows. No, it's awesome, which is really cool. No, I got I got respect, and and also I I just I think he's he's an awesome comedian. Yeah, and I I love the choice that he's made with his fame to do shows for people who are into him, and and not really. I mean, I'm sure he's making some bank, but but he's not max. He's not working for maximum bank. He's working for maximum fun no he's he's sliding the family stone he's like i'm gonna drop in every few years you'll see me uh you're never gonna know when it's coming and i'm gonna be like this sort of elusive mysterious really cool great artist guy you know which is awesome Mm because a lot of guys don't do that he's like a combination of prince and howard hughes (laughs) yes he's howard hughes without the fingernails (laughs) yeah uh, so yeah, I mean, so, uh, so that was an amazing experience. That was back when I still lived in New York. And then, and, yeah. How long have you been in LA now? Two years, just about. And this is the second time that we've seen each other in Los Angeles <laughs> because you chose to reside on the other side of the town and we're busy people. We're busy, important people. Everybody's busy. The I first mean, time we saw each other, BTW, <laughs> was a week ago at your birthday Yeah, party. yeah. Yeah, it was randomly. Well, it was randomly at the improv, and then a week ago at my birthday party. Well, I guess today. saw each other on purpose because I did. I have run into you at the improv or whatever. Yeah, yeah. and you came yeah. to the party on purpose. So that, that was, was on, on purpose. purpose. So yeah. the party was on purpose, and this is on purpose. But yeah. the other times have just been very happy accidents. But yeah, I mean, well, I mean, we live what two two and a half hours away from each other. Oh, that's it's the ridiculous a- thing, people. <laughs> it's ten miles probably to your house, and it can take anywhere from a half an hour. To an hour and a half. I left my house today, I think, at 10 a.m., and I got here at, like, 11.15. Oh. I was like, what the fuck is going on? And it, Because you can't... It's unpredictable. Did you yeah. do Did you do the Waze thing? Not that we want to get into talking about that no. on the podcast, but, oh, my God. I have a new GPS in my car. Mm-hmm. I bought a new, like, car stereo that has a built-in GPS. Because uh, I am the guy that's probably going to get the bottle service over a home. <laughs> 
<laughs> You're saying, oh, that's that's the the GPS is the bottle service. Yeah, to I you? didn't need to, you know. But I was like, no, I'm in my car all the time. I want the most convenient thing possible. So I got like the stereo touchscreen GPS thing. But you know that and, your phone can do all that. Yeah, but you use the data, and then I'm getting texts from AT&T every five minutes telling me I'm approaching my data limit. And then if you're in an area with bad You signal, still have a data limit, Joe? You've got to come over to the dark side. Who, who, who do you have that sprints the only unlimited data? Well, well, T-Mobile had an unlimited data when I went over there. But it's terrible service, is it? No, that's what people say, but it's not so terrible. are So you, if you're telling me today I should switch, I'll go to T-Mobile because they'll buy you out of your contract. I'm just going to say that I made the switch from AT&T where you are to T-Mobile. And this is, I'm not a sponsored by, you know, this is just my personal experience of I've been very satisfied. Also, T-Mobile has this deal where you, if you go to Canada or we were in London, you got data, it's unlimited data and um, texting, all that stuff. And then talking over there is, is not brutally expensive. It's cheaper to just talk on your cell phone than so it is to buy So you're telling me I it. should go to T-Mobile. I'm, gonna, I'm telling I'll, you, I'm very happy today. with, I'm I'm happy with my guy. transition. Well, you know what? We can walk down there. It's on the... It's on the. We'll walk down to the place. We'll, we'll walk talk down to, to the, the lady. place and spend two, three hours switching my phone over. No, we're not going to switch your phone today, but we're going to go have a conversation with a nice person. I don't think you get where I'm coming from. No, I do get I'll where you're coming from, today. Joe. And this is, I'm not your life coach. Even if you left me down there, I would say, go ahead. I got it. But I uh, I can't wait with things like this. I, I am very excited about new opportunities, new... Yeah, to get new phones. Well, I could have... Uh, yeah, I guess I could have just waited and got a T-Mobile phone and not spent $750 putting a fucking touchscreen navigation system in my car. Yeah, whatevs. I do think it's worth having, though, because if you're in an area with bad phone service... You know, things of that nature. It, it helps. navigate well, and you've only been out here for two years. I feel like I know the places that I need to go most of the time. And oh, I, I, don't I don't know anything. To, yeah, you don't know anything. I also do these tours where I'll drive like from like rock bar to rock bar, night after night, through different states. At times like that, it's... and you take your car from here to there. Oh no, the GPS comes out. No, no, no. The GPS doesn't come out. But if I live over here, if I do one on this side, I would drive my own car. If I do it yeah. on the East Coast, I wouldn't. Okay. But my point is, is you do a run like that, it's it's nice to have an in-dash. So you're doing these rock bar alternative venues now. Yeah, I like doing them. Loving it? Yeah. I'm... I like doing them. It's hard to... They're hard to plan because you got to plan them far out and, you know... Uh, I don't know. They're just tough. They're tough. But I try to do them whenever I can do them. Mm-hmm. I try to do them whenever I can do them. But I, it you like them better than doing a comedy club? Hundred and ten percent better. What what's what do you like more about them? Comedy I've, club, first of all, what you think? Well, I'll I'll talk so give you a chance to think for a sure, second. Sure, go ahead. But comedy club, in my, um, that's what I've done all these years. You is basically you go in on a, you go in on a Wednesday. Or Thursday, and then you stay until Sunday, or sometimes Monday, and you do one show a night on the non-Friday Saturday nights. You go two shows on Friday Saturday, but they give away a bunch of tickets, and so a lot of times you're trying to entertain people who don't know who you are or don't know what they've gotten into. And it's not it's not that it's tough because the staff is now nowadays the staff quiets people down and gets them to shut up if they're heckling or being out of line. But sure. most of the time, that's not a problem. But there is. There is a lot of 
trying to get people on your wavelength that has yeah. to happen in a comedy club. And don't get me wrong. There are comedy clubs that I am beside myself excited to play and to go back to. Well, all of the ones that I'm doing, I love. Yeah. Yeah. I love Punchline San Fran. I love Punchline Sacramento. I lo- I'm doing I'm doing a Comedy Attic this week in uh in uh indie outside of indianapolis bloomington. bloomington can't wait i think it's going to be a blast comedy on state fucking blast gotham uh, in mm-hmm. new york i'm going back there in december can't wait there are comedy clubs that i helium in philly is always a great time like that i really truly love to do and i'm excited about it because mm-hmm. i know it's going to be the right kind of vibe um but there are a lot that i have to do that i'm not excited about because it's you know it's too much of a mixed bag audience and and it's very hard you know the the more I do comedy the longer my stuff gets and you know I've my stuff my act right now I have I have a fifteen or twenty minute chunk on death and fear of death and dying and it's like if I can't get them to listen and and get onto the concept of that it's not going to be a very good show because... and how and you find that when you do these rock venues you got more leeway to go into a 15 minute thing about death yes it's just a, it's just a little bit looser it, it's rock it's music venues or the right kinds of comedy clubs for me at least um well no because that's what i'm i'm more interested in in going to places where it's like look you, give me some space because sometimes sometimes in a traditional uh club you, you you have this sense that there's somebody in the audience who's like that's been too long since the last time i laughed so now i'm gonna start talking yeah and it's and it's and sometimes it's i found it's not even since the last time i've laughed it's it's been too long on this one subject and it's like well d- deal this mm-hmm. is a show i'm trying to give you a show right now yeah. i'm not trying to just come up here and Hey man, maybe you should yeah. maybe you should go try and do some stuff over in Britain and uh, I'm dying UK. to. I can't f- fucking get a hookup. Jim Jeffries and I talked about it, and he said he would give me some names and stuff, and I I need to follow up. But uh, but I need to I need to I really really want to get over to Europe. I really want to do uh, Edinburgh and all that stuff. I feel mm-hmm. like it would be a, a good fit for somebody like yeah. me. I don't know though. You know, I don't know. But, how have you? How have you liked? To, well, I guess, or maybe we're not done yet with the rock video, uh, rock venues. What uh, What do you do to figure out which ones you're going to play? Do you look at where other people have gone, or do you just say, "Look, I've got a gig in this city, and here's one that's in between." So I call friend. I call. I started by calling friends that had done them. Uh, Jared Harris and Kyle Kinane and. You know, I just had some buddies that had been doing them, and I said, where do I go, and who do I call? And they gave me some names and numbers, and, you know, some of the people when I called them, this was five years ago, but some of the people when I called them would say, like, oh, yeah, like, we'd like to book you, man. And some of them didn't know me, and, you know, Mm -hmm. uh, but they booked me out of good faith uh, because of the recommendation or whatever, and... You know, and then like you, you go through uh, and you do the same venues a few times, and right and once then, you've done it, it's easy to do it. Yeah, again. and then you start to build out, and then somebody says, "Well, you know, now there's this room over here, and they can do this," and and that's it. I mean, it's just it's just networking in a way. I guess it's sort of like what agents do, but, but you're I mean, doing it outside of your agent. Uh, I have an agent now that does help me with the smaller rooms. Uh, my primary agent doesn't. 
It's kind of a, it's kind of yeah. a lot to ask for them to learn a whole new trick and a whole bunch of phone right. calls and and like you and I were talking, the money right. sometimes on these things is by the t- by the yeah. time you're getting paid, you know, artist type money, and they're getting ten percent of art starving artist money. Right. It's it's not right. so worth it for them. You can't blame them. Well, I have a run. I have a run booked for October. Massive East Coast into the Southeast run, like a three week run. Uh, I might have to, but this is where it gets hard. I might have to cancel it because uh, I'm waiting to hear about a writing job. If I get this writing job, sure. I'm going to have to cancel. But the problem is, is be, with these venues, because they don't pay a ton and you only do one show, you have to cluster them together. Right. And so then when you can't do one, it usually means you can't do any Domino. of Domino. Because something came up and mm-hmm. that, you know... For That's this tough. Two Whereas with a club, you cancel, you reschedule. It's not a big deal. Right. I, although you may have to wait six months or right, right, a year. Right. Um, so that's the hard part with these. But I, I love doing them, man. I, I really do. And yeah. how, how do you love uh, L.A. compared to, you know, you were a pretty solid New York man. I New love it. I, I don't miss New York at all. Mm-hmm. I did for a while, and I'll have quick pangs of... Ah, uh, like I'll be watching like girls or something and, you know, just the places they're going or what. Yeah, yeah. You'll see like a street in Brooklyn and go, ah, fuck, I'm in Brooklyn, man. You know, but like, but other than that, I don't miss New, New York. The New York that I miss isn't there anymore. Uh, and people would say that about the New York. People would say the New York I loved was was an atrocity compared to the New York they loved. You know, it's one of those cities. Sure, sure. Well, but every, everywhere is like that. The San Francisco that I lived in when I started comedy is gone. Right. And it's been three San Francisco's since then. Right, right. And even the Santa Monica right where we're sitting right now has been three Santa Monica's since I moved here. And they have all been great. And I can't really say that one's better than the other. But it's there is that progression Kind of that you can sense whether it's good or bad. Sure. But yeah. Even even Los Angeles, where or wherever you're, whatever neighborhood you're in right now, is right. going to change into another thing. Yeah. Yeah. It's uh, so so yeah. So but uh, you know there are there are as I said uh, small aspects of New York that I miss. I but I I changed I've changed so much as a person since I've been out here and I'm a little more. I guess I'm a little closer to the person I was growing up. How, how do you feel? How do you mean? I'm more jovial. I'm I'm happier uh, out here. You know, mm-hmm. and I'm not... It's not because L.A. makes me happy. It's because L.A. allows me to dictate a certain lifestyle for myself that makes me happy. That's really what the difference is. New York demands that you live in a certain way. And for a while, you enjoy that. You, you, you love the challenge of New York. You love the fight. You love the grittiness. You love the angst. Like, it, you really get off on that stuff for a long time. And But I hit a point with New York where I was just like, it's this isn't working for me anymore. I'm too angry when I leave my house. I'm too upset by everything. I'm too pissed off at this club and that club because they won't book me. You know, like, uh, you know. And you feel different about the the clubs and the scene out here? Yeah. I have a much more peace out here because the places that work me work me and the places that don't don't. And I don't give a shit. It seems like there's a lot of spots out here now, too. There are. You know, there's it's a lot. Of, there's, yeah. there's the 
there's the club clubs that are going on, but then there's so many other kind of venues that do comedy at one night a week or floating shows that are produced by. And it's great. It's great. And I mean, this is, I feel like the scene here now is what the New York scene was. Um, New York scene is obviously still pretty saturated with comedy, but it started to me, this is just my opinion. It was starting to hit a tipping point because what was happening in New York was people were starting shows and then trading spots. So you had a lot of like open mic guys, like starting shows just so they could say, hey, I have a show. Give me a spot on your show, and I'll give you a spot on mine. And really? And you don't think that's what's going on here? I think it's probably going on here, but it seems to be going on to a lesser extent here. Uh, the shows, the lineups I'm seeing at shows here are still pretty they're, – they're good. They're strong lineups, mm-hmm. you know? So – and I also think – Every almost every one of my friends from New York moved out here. Yeah. So that's another part of New York that I don't miss. It's like, well, what am I going to go back to? Two friends? Like, yeah. all my friends live here now. That happened to me so, with the same friend, too. Yeah. And it also le- allowed me to have a bit of a New York vibe in L.A., which was nice. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? But L.A. allowed me sp- room to breathe, literally room to breathe. I have twice... Almost three times the space for the money I was paying in New York for the same money out here. I like driving my car versus riding in a subway or a cab. Uh, I have a dog, which has made my life infinitely better. Uh, I am in better physical shape than I was in in New York. I'm in better mental shape than I was in New York. I go out drinking way less here. You know, it's it's these are all very positive, positive things. Are there parts of L.A. I can't stand? A hundred and 10%. I mean, parts of this city make me want to rip my hair out. But, you know, I can't deny I'm, I'm a healthier person. And my career is better, too. I've had better opportunities out here. Mm-hmm. You know, I was in New York bitching. How long can you sit in New York and bitch about the comic strip not giving you the spots you want or whatever? You know, it's like I just, it, I was over it. Yeah. And I also had a, I also had a very negative f- experience with some old colleagues um, back in New York after I had moved here, but it but it happened when I lived here. But I had a very, very negative experience with some people that I used to be very frequently involved with. And I just started to, it just kind of re, everything about New York started to get reframed for mm-hmm. me. And I just started to say, eh, I don't think I want to go back. I don't, I, I'm not saying I want to stay here forever, but... You know, and I'm not shitting on New York. I have a great time when I'm there. I'm so curious about the negative experience, Joe. (laughs) I just... Was it sexual? No, 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 not at all. Uh, It was... You know, it's it's all essentially in the past now, but I mean, I, I made a comment about somebody I used to work with and... That person didn't like it. and Oh, I see. It was one of those uh, behind your back, you say something that you don't think is a big deal, turns into a big deal. Type I said of it a... publicly, but his, mm-hmm. you know, it was one of those things where his fans uh, and his sort of crew came after me. And, and it got very ugly. And I just thought, I don't want to. This is all. This all feels very East Coast to me right now. Well, like, that I just, kind like, of stuff, I feel like we're all in the uh, we're all in the fraternity. And you sort of like... There's no percentage in badmouth and other members of the fraternity. I mean, from my point of view, it's like if other guys want to do that, that's fine. But I'm not into that. I don't I don't need to I don't need to be saying bad about anybody and I don't need anybody saying bad about me. And I as far as right. and, and 
And when I'm walking on stage with anybody else who's walking on stage, we got more in common than anybody right. else well, in this, the audience. You this know? wasn't a comedian, and it wasn't – I didn't badmouth him like, oh, that guy's not funny. Oh, okay. I think I know what you're talking about. Yeah, you now. know what I'm yeah. talking about. Okay. So um, it, it, got a little, it got a little heavy. But like that's I said, all it's cooled out now. now. Yeah, yeah, good. But my point is I don't bring it up to reignite things or whatever or because I'm angry. No, no. I, I, I was the one who <laughs> – who made you talk more right. about it? I just, but I just mention it like, you know, it's 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 kind. It helped like, you get away from there. Yeah, but it's also that feeling. It's 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 not. I don't. I just want to be clear what I'm trying to say. It's not. It's not like you. It makes you look at home and go, I'm better than that now, or or fuck that shit. You know, it just gives you that same feeling you have when you leave your neighborhood where everybody told you you couldn't make it. And then you start to feel like, well, I don't think I want to go back to that neighborhood right now. Yeah, Because yeah. I don't, I just don't need any of that energy in my life right now. It's just not a good... Yeah, well, you sound like you're in a good space right now. I, I feel like I am, man. Like, honestly, like, it's been a lot of work, but I mean, it's, you know, like, I'm, I'm blessed. It's, you know, I'm... I, you know what? I have a fucking great dog. I have a cool house I live in. I, you know, I got a great car. I, you know, I'm working. I'm talk a little bit about uh, because this is the thing that I talk about sometimes. Um, talk a little bit about a definition of success that's less conventional than you know. Everybody thinks in in show business or stand up or music or whatever that success means. Oh, you gotta be um, Kevin Hart. You got to be right. Bill Burr. You got to be Louis C.K. If right. you're not those guys, then then you're not successful. Right. But I feel like what we're talking about with you in this transition from when I when I met you to where you are now, you've got that perspective where you know I think you have a deeper understanding of of what success really means and what sure. what makes you happy and what you know what's within your control. Talk sure. A little bit about that. Yeah. I, I, look, I think success is, is is if you can if you can do what you want to do and you're happy doing it and that's how you make your income. That's the first step. Second step is, is if you can wake up in the morning without a stomach ache with money worries, you know, mm-hmm. by doing the things you want to do. And third is, is that you have fun, man, in your life. Like it's that you're not a slave to your job, that you're not a slave to your insecurities and that you know that you know how to enjoy all of it. You know what I mean? And you know how to take the time off to have some stupid fun with your friends mm-hmm. or go on the vacation with your family or whatever it is. Um, that to me, that's it, man. It's like, you know, it's like I, I sit in my I sit in my house. I'm like, you know, I got money in my bank account, not a ton, but enough that I'm not worried, uh, at least for now. <laughs> you know what I mean? Uh, I do what I want to do. I say no to things I don't want to do. I say yes to things I do want to do. I have enough footing in this business that when I get an idea, I can pursue the idea and see if I can make some money off of the idea. Mm-hmm. I can put fucking comedy albums out anytime I feel like it. And I have ve- labels and venues that are interested in me doing that. You know what I mean? I've done mm-hmm. special. It's like, what the fuck else do I need? What the fuck else do I need? I went last night. I did a set. You know, people said nice things to me afterwards. I went home. I put on a horror movie. 
because I get to buy all the DVDs I want now because I because I'm obsessed with DVDs and Blu-rays, and it's like my dog's sitting on my lap and. Yeah, man. Like I'm going to see my friend Jake in the morning, and what's uh, what horror movie? I didn't end up watching it because it it, it I didn't re- when I put it on it was so late that I was like I'm better off watching a couple episodes of something than starting a movie. But it's called uh, Grim Prairie Tales. <laughs> it sounds tough. It's a horror movie from the I guess early '90s. It's an anthology horror movie, which is my favorite horror. Which means there's like a bunch of short stories short, together. Little short freaky things. Yeah, so yeah. I like that the best. But this is one that's been out of print, and I found a, I found a copy of it uh, online. And uh, and it stars... I've never seen it. It stars James Earl Jones, though, who plays a Western, an old Western mm-hmm. bounty hunter. And he meets another guy traveling through the prairie lands. In one of the vignettes. No, no, no. This is the wraparound story. Oh, I see. And they share a fire and tell oh, I stories. See. They sit around and tell stories, and then the stories are the little. Yeah, so they're yeah. supposedly old, all supernatural stories about the old West. And I'm like, okay, well, that sounds pretty fucking cool. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah man. I, I love horror movies. I'm obsessed. Yeah, so. I, I never kind of got into the. I, it's too. I I don't like to be freaked out. I can handle some of that stuff. Like I like a lot of zombie stuff, but I but some of the. Horror freaky, and then when it gets into torturing, um, but yeah. Uh, so, yeah, I like your I like your definition of success, and then talk about what are you, where are you at with your goals right now? What are you What are you hoping to do next? Uh, I'm hoping, I'm hoping, and I feel good that this will happen. That we'll, we'll, we'll do an hour soon. Oh right, you were like, telling me you got yeah. your hour special. You want to do? I uh, yeah, like the. You know, including your massive death chunk. Yes, including the death chunk. The, but the tape is done. People are looking at it. You make a demo tape of the thing that you want to make exactly. the real thing of. And fingers right. crossed, it looks, all yeah. things look to be moving in a positive direction. That's all I'll say. But, uh, but you know, so uh, I'm, I'm very excited about that. I think it's, I think it's going to be a good time to do that. Uh, I have one or two TV ideas that I'm, pushing right now that I'm, we're about to take out and pitch and try to sell. I'm excited about that. And Are they wait. buddy things, older guy, younger guy? They're not buddy things. Okay. Well, then that's what we need to work on, Joe, <laughs> Joe because... Uh... I would love... Trust me. Every time I think about if I could sell a TV show and I had, like, power, who could I... Like, who would I get to have? And I always think I'd love to put Jake in a thing if I ever got to make a thing. Well, I thank you. I was fishing for that. But uh, Yeah, of course. I get it. Um but my dream also is to is to be working on a show with guys who I like and respect. I mean, that to me would just be so sweet. Yeah. Wouldn't it? Yeah. I would I would love that, man. That would be a lot of fun. That'd be a lot of fun. And so talk about your creative process, your day. What do you do? You get up. You how are you a are you a right at a time of day guy or are you a kind of you got a set coming up? You go over a few things. No, or? I wake up. I exercise. If I if it's an exercising day, I try to do that in the morning. Like how many days a week are you exercising? Three. Mm-hmm. But I don't. I'm not a heavy exercise guy. I do an upper body workout that's pretty intense. It's ten minutes. Your heart gets going, you're sweating, you feel good about yourself, and then the rest of the day, it's walking. It's Right, walking you know, is great for you. Yeah, so I try to walk 10,000 steps per day. On the off days of the workout, sometimes I'll jog for 10 minutes and then do the walking stuff. Mm-hmm. You know, 
a lot of the day is planned around eating, trying to eat right. So I'm like, okay, I got to cook at this time because I got a show at this time, whatever. So everything sort of starts to get around, build or build around. Uh-huh. Uh, but writing wise, man, if I have work to do, I do it uh, until it's done. And then stand up wise, I get an idea, you know, I don't know. I, I've completed, I just completed this dramedy thing that I want to sell. And I mean, I wrote a script, I've got a treatment, I've got, you know, it's done. So there's no need to sit down and work on it anymore. Like, it's right. like, I'll so tweak a- it if I get ideas. This other thing I'm about to pitch, it's done. It's ready to be pitched. There's nothing really left to do. My new hour is ready to go. I'm like in a nice sort of like downtime period right now. So maybe I go to the movies at 1 o'clock. Right. Because to me, that's research. I'm going to go see the new Woody Allen you can movie. I'll learn right from that. off your taxes. And I do, baby. I do, but I, you know, I try to do stuff like that. I try to do, if I'm not physically writing, actually writing in a day, I try to do like stuff that I think would be productive. Like, oh, I'll watch this documentary about this thing that I'm interested in because then I'll learn about it more and then I'll, I can put that into my act maybe. And you trying to go out and hit the, do a set every night or? I do them as they come and Mm -hmm. I, I, there's enough. Yeah. You know, man, I mean, this. Yeah, to me, if I if I'm doing if I'm in town as opposed to on the road, if I if I do two in a week, that's that's a good week for me. Yeah, I, I mean, you don't need the, these these obsessive people that are just going out, and it's it's. So, I understand if you're a young comic and you got to get your face out there. Once you hit a certain level, man, it's like, dude, you're in, you're well, but, in. You know, uh, like, what are you working on every night? Doing the same fucking ten jokes every night? There are those guys who who got to go out, even though it is their same. Like, look, we all you already know that that works. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, it's a it's an obsession. It's an obsession. It just... would be one thing if there were more. You know, some of the some of these small shows are really all the shows in town. If you're going out and doing a ten twenty minute set. It's freebies time. You know, you're not getting, yeah. you're not making any dough. So the real purpose of it is you're working on something. Yeah. Or, or, or you're hanging. You know, I, there is something to be said for you go there, you see the other comics, you do a set. That's, that's sure. fun. Sure. That's fun. And we're starting, Dan St. Germain and I are starting a weekly show at a coffee house, Tuesday night show. Everybody's got to have their own show. That we're co hosting. And I can be on that. I'd love for you to come do a set. Uh, but here's my point. The reason I'm doing that is like, okay, I'll have I'll have at least one place every week where I can work on stuff if I need to work on it, and then I'll do other sets, of course. But like, what more do you need? I, you know, this incessant just beating the shit out of the material. It's so stupid. Well, I've never been one of those guys. I mean, even yeah. Robin Williams, just he w- would have to go on stage so much. I mean, rest in peace. And I, I do, I really like robin but uh the way he would have to go do sets was kind of like man i i that is not for me it's not for me it was for him but it's not for me now were you a friend of robin's did you know him i was an acquaintance okay of robin's but i didn't know him over a long period of time okay that's very nice um so where are we at right now with our conversation? I think we I don't know. I mean, I, I feel like this has been long enough. Yeah, yeah me too. It might almost <laughs> be lunchtime. I'm starving. It's twelve nineteen. How long was this so far? I think we're at uh, fifty-five minutes. About what the hell else do these? So people talk need about your show. Us? Talk about this show that you're starting. It's going to be Tuesday nights in L.A. Yeah, at- Tuesday nights in L.A. It starts in 
September. Uh, I think it's the second week of. I can't remember the week day, the day it starts, but it's in September. It's starting uh, at Dinosaur Coffee in Silver Lake. It's called Creep Show. Uh, Dan St. Germain and I are co-hosting. And by that, I mean he'll host one week, and I'll do a set, and then I'll host the next week, and he'll do a set. We're not doing, like, a two-man hosting mm-hmm. thing. Uh, and and that's it. Like, there's going to be free beer. Yeah. Uh, you, got, you got your website? What's your website? JoeDeRosaComedy.com. Hasn't been updated, and I can't even remember the you last gotta time. You got to get a... I switched over to Squarespace so that I can update it myself. I'd love it if they would sponsor me. Um, but Maybe I'll switch to Squarespace. It, I spent $1,500 on this website yeah, a few years ago. That's why I, I switched, switch. just because I realized I got to be able to take a gig down, put a gig up, and to have to call the pot smoker who designed the thing <laughs> and... Get him to yes. get on my wavelength about this is important, and I'd like you to do it within the next you know week and a half. Right, it was got to be a lot. So Squarespace, it looks pretty good. It looks pretty good, and uh, and it's easy to it's easy to set up. But you can probably pay someone to help you set it up. But it's pretty easy to set up. I mean. I, I'm positive. And you, you can make it like your own thing. You it's, can make it your own thing. You can put your Twitter feed on there. You can put your schedule up there. You can put pictures. If you've got YouTube videos, you can embed those in there. It's it's super easy. Now, why aren't you sponsoring me, Squarespace? <laughs> um, but, All right. Uh, I'm going to try that out. Yeah. So, JoeDeRosa.com. Joe You're on Twitter. JoeDeRosaComedy.com. I'm on Twitter, JoeDeRosaComedy. Couldn't make it easier for you people. Instagram, JoeDeRosaComedy. J O E D E R O S A comedy. I got to spell that too. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Now, are, when does this come out? This is going to come out as soon as I can get it into the other box and then squirt it up onto the internet because I've been, I'm so behind. I haven't put an episode out in a long time. So, so should I plug my gigs for this weekend, or is that will this not be out by? Um, then? you can. I'm, I'm going to try and get it up. Yeah, tonight. I'll be if you're in. Look, if you're in uh, Bloomington, Indiana. I'll be at the uh, Comedy Attic Thursday, August. Friday, Saturday. August. It's August. What is that? The 27th, 28th, 29th, I believe. Yeah. So that, those are going to be really fun shows. One Thursday, two Friday, two Saturday. Come. Let's hang out. I hear it's a fun town to hang in. I'm excited. So come on out. And mention that you heard Joe on this, and yeah. that will entitle you to a free hug? Yes. All yeah. Right. If you heard me on Jake This, I'll hug you for free. Uh, and then take a picture, put it on Joe's Instagram. Next thing you know, we're all famous. Exactly. Okay, we're going to go eat lunch. And His phone's ringing like crazy. You're blowing it's up, Joe. It's fourth call. This is, we're all going to remember that this is the moment. I guess so, yeah. Okay. Thanks, Jake. Thanks, Joe. Ladies and gentlemen, uh, let's just put this to bed. That was a lovely conversation with Joe. Please go hit, see him in Bloomington, Indiana, this week. And please go see me in Dayton, Ohio. Do both of those things. I, I know it's probably going to take a plane ticket, a couple of plane tickets. You're going to have to get hotel rooms. I did say please. Thank you for listening. Don't give up. There'll be plenty of time to give up later. You know that. You know that.